If you're committed to transitioning to a new role outside of the classroom, let me give you some advice. Don't try to navigate this journey all on your own. The Teacher Career Coach course will walk you step-by-step through the entire process. When you sign up, you'll get help picking your career path, have access to a library of transition resumes for teachers written by a professional, and even gain access to a list of hundreds of companies that hire teachers. Most importantly, you'll join our exclusive private community to collaborate with others and network. I've dedicated my time putting together templates and resources to create the most thorough program to help save you time. Learn more about the Teacher Career Coach course at teachercareercoach.com forward slash course. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. In this episode, I interview Leah Sarsfield, a former teacher who's now working in one of our most requested career paths, a learning and development specialist. Listen in as we talk all about her transition into this new career and some of the struggles she faced during that time. Hello, Leah. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, Leah, I wanted to start with you the way that we start with basically all of the other teachers um, that we've had on the show and just ask you a little bit to share your story of what got you into teaching? What made you want to become a teacher? So I was not one of those kids that grew up thinking, oh, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. I really didn't have a desire to become a teacher by any means at all. Um, I was a first-generation college student, so career tracks were never even talked about in my family. It was really just, okay, I'm going to college now, but I don't know what this means. Um, So I ended up choosing marketing as my major initially, simply because I had been in like a marketing competition for a club in high school, and I got second place, and I was like, oh, okay, I must be good at this. I should major in marketing. And then I'd say like a couple months into starting with that chosen path, um, I ended up switching to education. I really don't know why I made the switch. I don't have like a a moment where I thought, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. Um, But I just made the switch into the education program. And I felt like from the start that it was something I was good at. Um, I had a lot of time in my program where I spent in the classroom and it just felt like it was a good place for me to be. And I felt like it clicked with me. I knew what I was doing. Um, So I kind of just continued down that path. And then um, my first year teaching, I taught at a charter school and I was like, okay, this is not for me. Um, Ended up moving into another district and taught at another charter school and again, I was like, mm, I don't think charter is for me. So switched to back to my original district, but went to public school. And I felt like at first that that was the right switch. I felt like there were so many things that 
I appreciated about public school so much more. Um, and for the first year, I was really happy. And then I started to kind of see those trends again that I saw originally in my first two years where I thought like, I don't know, there's just so many parts to this that I don't love. Um, I loved teaching the kids. I loved lesson planning. I loved getting creative with my lessons and being with the kids. But there were always those parts like the politics and the behind the scenes things that I just knew were going to take a toll on me in the long term. So I started kind of thinking like, is there something else I could do? You know, I did the typical like Google careers for teachers or careers that you can do with an education background. And I never really went forward with anything because it all just seemed so overwhelming. So fast forward right before COVID, I was telling myself like, okay, I've got to get out. Like I, I've got to find something else to do. But then when the pandemic hit, I felt super trapped and I thought, well, I need job stability. I don't know what the world is doing right now. We don't know what this looks like for the future. So I just stayed because it felt like the most secure thing to do through all of the things that were going on with the world. And COVID taught me so much about teaching and what the future of teaching looks like because the amount of things that were put on us and the lack of respect and support, I just felt like, wow, it was like an eye opener to me. Um, and through that time is when I really started to gravitate towards wanting to to find a way out. But again, I felt like for a year and a half, like, okay, this is where I have to be because it's job security and the world is going crazy right now. So as things kind of started to fizzle out with COVID and it got a little bit better um, through the second year, I discovered your Instagram and was like, okay, what's this all about? So I uh, started listening to the podcast and I would listen to it on my way to school every day. And then I'd get to school and I'd park my car and I would just sit in my car and think like, what am I doing? Like, why am I not one of these former teachers who found their way to something else that they enjoy so much more? So I signed up for your course and um, I think it, I, it was a little slow. Like I, I did it in pieces because I was still working full time. So once I finished it, I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Like I'm ready to start applying. So I started applying for jobs in um, last April. And I thought, just like most teachers probably do, that I would have a job by the end of summer and I wouldn't have to return in August. Um, that was not how it went at all. <laughs> so I put in over 80 applications. I have an ongoing document that I still refer back to because it's just like a reminder of where I came from. But um, I applied to over 80 positions and I did all the cold networking and the warm networking and did the elevator pitches and all the things and had very few interviews. So I felt very defeated, very overwhelmed. Um, I felt like, well, I'm going to just have to return in August because I'm not getting a job. Um, so it got closer and closer to August and the start of the school year. And I was just like, I cannot go back. Like, I, I just don't know how I can do it. So the big, biggest factor for me, I think, was that if I did go back, I was not going to leave in the middle of the school year just because for me personally, that was my decision that I wouldn't do it. Um, a lot of that was because I have a lot of coworkers that 
they get to pick where their kids go. And this particular school year, I had like five teacher kids in my class. And I wouldn't want to be the teacher that leaves after they just picked me to have their children in, in my class. Um, and then just like my partner teacher and all the logistics of it. So I knew I wouldn't leave in the middle of the year, which would then put me back in the same cycle again at the end of the next school year. So I had talked to a former teacher um, through my networking who gave me some advice and said, if you can make it work, don't return in August. And when she said that, I just kind of laughed and I was like, okay, like just don't have a job, you know? <laughs> and I was like, let's try and swing that one by my husband and see how that one goes. <laughs> so as we got closer to August and the start of the school year, I started to kind of like have those conversations with my husband and say, I just don't know if I can go back. Um, I, we've got to think about other options. So through many, many conversations, uh, it, the decision was made that I would just take a personal leave for the school year. And that meant that I would still have my position at my school for the following year if for some reason I did not get a job and I needed to return. So that felt very safe to me. It felt like, okay, this is a good plan. And if by December I still didn't have something, I could still find something in the district. It just may not be at my school. So that felt very like backup plan safe to me. Um, and I was just going to nanny and I had just started selling cakes on the side as like a cake business that I started over the summer. So I thought between that and nannying, we'll make it work. Um, I feel like it's very interesting that you know yourself better than anyone else and that you knew if you went in another year it would be another year where you were unhappy but you were not able to walk away even if like a dream job you know re if, let's say hypothetically a dream job reaches out to you December of this year and you're in that teaching contract you knew yourself better to just say this is a boundary I have to set I have to walk away um prior to signing this contract or else it's gonna you know, walk me in. Not everybody's in that same position where they can say that with confidence of what they would do. And um, I was just curious, how long did you know that that was, you know, that was where you were at with your heart? Like, were you always very confident with that? Or did you have to think about it a lot? I was always very confident with that. I always knew that that was, that was something I wasn't willing to do which was part of the reason why I stayed for so long, because I knew that in order to get another job, it would have to be during this very small time frame, And that's mm -hmm. very limiting for a lot of reasons. So I knew that although that puts me in a, a rougher spot in regards to getting out of teaching, I just personally couldn't do it because I didn't, I don't think I was at the point where a lot of teachers describe feeling like, you know, you hear, you hear teachers say, I just... I would think intrusive thoughts like, I hope I can get into a car accident on the way to school so that I don't have to work that day and things like that. And I wasn't at that point. I wasn't so unhappy to where I was miserable. I loved the kids. I loved the act of teaching. I loved my role. I didn't love all the other stuff that I saw going in a very, very bad direction and not getting any better. So surrounding myself in that environment felt more toxic to me, which is where I thought, that's not where I want my future to be. Although I love this job and I love teaching and it's, I feel like it's the core of who I am and it just came so naturally to me. My mental health and being in, a, in an environment that supports me was more important. So I knew there was no way that because I did love my job 
there was no way I'd leave in the middle of the year because I did love the kids so much and I felt so connected to every class I ever had. Another interesting thing that I heard you say was um, that you had contemplated leaving. I mean, you did the thing that I talk about, switching districts, switching schools multiple times, but you had thought about leaving the profession prior to COVID, which is one of those factors that I tell teachers to think about um, when right now, so many teachers are leaving the classroom or thinking of leaving the classroom. And it's, you know, there's a couple different reasons why I think that that's the case, because they've never seen an example of so many people leaving and being vocal that it's okay to leave. This is the first time ever. But I think that that being able to identify, wait, I felt this way prior to COVID. This is just the first time that you know, there are all these resources available for me, or there are all these people I can talk to. Um, was that one of the reasons why you knew this was time for you to do it? Yeah, um, I did reflect back on that a lot thinking, this isn't just COVID. This isn't just me feeling so defeated because of what the world is going through right now. This is how I felt for a long time. And I kind of just pushed through thinking, that it would get better or that there were so many factors to why I was feeling that way that those factors may just disappear or change or whatever it may be, but nothing was changing. Everything was getting worse. And I knew that it, it wasn't just the pandemic. The pandemic heightened everything and made everything come to light for a lot of teachers um, in the community, but it was not just COVID. Did you ever tell any, it sounds like you had really close relationships with some of your colleagues. Did you ever tell any of them how you were feeling that you were contemplating leaving altogether or was it a surprise to them? Um, I, my partner teacher was really the only one who knew how I was really feeling. Um, we had a lot of conversations around how I, there were some days where I just would feel so defeated and I would just tell her like, I don't, I don't have anything left in me. And we were two of the very few teachers in our school who last year had to do a hybrid model um, and do half day in-person, half day virtual. There were only a couple selected teachers to do that at our school and we were one of them. So we really confided in each other because we had to in order to survive. <laughs> so there were a lot of days where I would just tell her like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And it's not because of what we're being put through right now. It's because the lack of respect and support for what we're doing when it's the hardest that it's ever been proves to me that no matter what education goes through, we're never going to have what we need to be successful because we're never going to have that support. We're never going to have the respect. If we don't have it now, it's not going to just magically appear. So she knew um, that I was really unhappy, but I don't think she expected my decision to be so final. I think she thought in the next couple of years that it would happen. Um, and that was a really difficult time for me of trying to approach that conversation with her once the de decision was made. Um, it, I remember just feeling so nervous to make the call and tell her. And But once I did, she was like, oh, yeah, I totally figured like that's where you were. Like, I, I just figured it was coming. You know, I support you. I want you to be happy. Um, but other than that, I didn't express anything to anyone because I really didn't know if I was going to be returning or not. And I didn't want to put that in anyone's ear and make them think differently of me if I did have to return. So I didn't tell anyone until the decision was final. Um, and that is such a difficult conversation that I don't feel like happens in other industries. I've 
Now, since I've left teaching, I have left two different positions, the instructional design position and also the um, position as an educational consultant. And both times when I reached out to my colleagues, they were sad. I mean, we're sad, but it wasn't as heartbreaking as what you go through when you tell people uh, who are teachers, I'm no longer going to be a teacher. Like that is a, a very challenging conversation to have where, you know, you've been doing something that feels bigger, but ultimately it is the same. I don't want to say that teaching isn't an important career. It's an important career, but at the end of the day, it really is just a career and being able to like hug the person and say, I'm happy for your success it's okay for you to move on should be happening a little bit easier than I think that it does. Um, but it's not to say that anybody who says, oh, you can't leave, you're such a good teacher, or please don't leave me as a bad person. It's just a different mindset. It's a different world than any other career. I wanted to touch on a, another thing and get into you know, your new job and your job search, but it sounds like you put out quite a bit of uh, applications, you said 80. Did you have specific roles that you were targeting or were you kind of going a little bit all over the place? So I did. I was really thinking that I was going to try and get into an educational technology company. I thought that that was the clearest path and would be a space that I would enjoy. Um, so I started off just researching companies that I had already worked with prior, you know, in my, especially through COVID, because we had to basically turn everything into um, a digital platform. So researching those platforms that I'd already worked on, but then I started seeing other ones and really focusing on educational technology. And then when I realized that that wasn't happening for me, I did start branching out and looking at other areas. Um, and that's where a lot of your resources came in hand because I, I would see, okay, outside of educational technology, what kind of roles should I be looking for? And I have to say it was very defeating. I'd say over 50% of the roles that I applied for, I never even heard back from. And then every time I got one of those denial emails, it was like, oh, what am I doing? Um, and I got in contact with a couple of recruiters that I would be so help hopeful going into the conversation and then I would hear things like, well, you might have to start at like a call center or you might have to take a job doing this or doing that. And I was like, I have a degree, like I have skills. I don't need to be dumbing down all of that. And that's every time I had a conversation with a recruiter, that's exactly how I felt that I needed to dumb down who I am and the skills that I have in order to find a path. And ultimately, I did not end up in educational technology. And I think that that was the right space for me. It's just not what I expected. I did think that that's where I was going. But I'm still working in education to some degree, which makes me feel good. Uh, yeah, a couple things to talk about there. Uh, kudos to you for sticking with it. One of the reasons why you know, Teacher Career Coach is so unique is because we have a full-time team and we're constantly researching the trends. And even when everything started prior to COVID, it was so much easier to get into educational technology um, for many of the roles that we've talked about as, you know, the year is progressing right now. The easiest roles to get into in educational technology, something that I talk about a lot, sales positions, like customer success positions, 
or you need to start doing those tech heavy, potentially software engineering, um, UX designer types of positions. And that is just right now as we're recording this, which is November of 2021. I had to look at my calendar. That's a little embarrassing. I was like, what month is it? Um, but being pivotable, you have to, you have to, if you're doing this career um, transition, you have to understand how to write your resume because you might go into it thinking, I'm going to be an instructional designer. And then the second that you realize, now I'm actually going to go for a different one. All of the strategies that I teach in the course are universal to help you you know, make those types of changes and be able to do so with confidence. So if you just only focused on one career, it would be a little bit harder. Um, do you feel like the course set you up for success when it came to changing your transition path? For sure. Um, I Every time I talk about my transition, because as most former teachers know, once you're out, you get flooded with questions on how you did it. Um, but every time I talk about it, I just say, I really, truly don't think I could have managed this transition without the course, because I didn't know that I needed a LinkedIn. I didn't know that I needed to completely reformat my resume or even how to do that. So without the course, I really don't think that I would have a job right now. I think I'd still be looking, um, just translating my skills and then taking job descriptions and using buzzwords from those job descriptions and incorporating them into my resume and then changing your resume for every job application and your cover letter for every job application. That felt so daunting and I wasn't doing that in the beginning. And then I quickly realized that's exactly what I needed to do, but I wouldn't have known how to do that or even to do that without the course. And it it's time consuming. And I have seen people you know, there are some people who have transitioned into their new careers and they're former teachers and now they're active on LinkedIn and they're giving, you know, their best career advice. And I've seen them say things that are the exact opposite. You know, oh, I just used one application and I sent it to 400 places and I got it like it was really quick and it was easy to do. But, you know, out of those 400 places, was there... 15 of them that would have been dream jobs for you that could tell that you were not enthusiastic about that specific position, That that's the risk that you're taking. If you are seeing a job that you're interested in and you're actually sending a resume to them, there's a reason why you're doing that. So you need to take the time and make it serious. This is a job that I'm interested in. If it's a job that you're like, hmm, probably the salary is going to be too low or it might be a good interviewing experience, but I'm not on, you know, I'm on the fence of it. Yeah. You can send a generic resume, but if it's something you are genuinely interested in, you definitely should be revamping it. Another thing that I heard you talk about was your experience working with recruiters, which is basically why we started qualified team solutions, which is still, you know, it's still a startup company. We're still getting it off the ground running, but we wanted to create a recruiting experience using our expert human resources consultant, Ali Arney, that we use for, you know, resume writing and all those types of resources because she's worked in the recruiting space before. And what you said about the types of roles that they were positioning to you is actually a very common grievance that teachers um, or former teachers or just 
people working with recruiters in general experience because recruiting is a career they are just trying to make quick matches and if they're just trying to make quick matches it's because the people are the product and that's a yucky way to say it but you getting in a position um quicker is going to be the way that they earn money even if it's a low-paying position they can say without a doubt i could probably get her these easy low-paying positions these when I say entry level, I mean like that, that is a very, very entry level. Like what you are doing now is maybe a higher paying entry level position, but this is a entry, entry level position. And they just are looking for the, you know, the revenue of getting someone in that position. And what we wanted to do was create something, a model of still using recruiting, still being able to help match people, but with, you know, a heart-based mission of, we want to really listen to the people. And if they say that they have a salary requirement, we're not going to push other things on them that are not a good fit for them. If they say, I'm open to freaking anything, I'm open to that for now career, I just need anything, then you'll listen to it. But recruiters do have made a bad name for themselves because they're just rapid fire trying to get as many people in as many positions, but without taking the people actually into consideration. Yeah, I definitely felt like I was just another conversation, a a number, essentially, I felt similar to how I felt in the district when I was teaching that I was just someone that they were trying to place. And it didn't matter the value of the role that I that they were trying to place me in. It was just, well, here's this over here. And it may not be anything that you're talking about, but it's a good pathway. And, and I think that because they're so inexperienced with former teachers, because this is a new space, I think teachers have been leaving for a long time, but teachers aren't talking about it, though weren't talking about it the way we are now. And it's it's more of a movement, I would say, that recruiters just don't have the familiarity with that to be able to support us the way that we need support. say also not to defend any recruiters. I hope I don't get like negative podcast reviews for this remark, but a lot of the former teachers that I'm seeing or a lot of the teachers who are interested in transitioning that I'm seeing are starting to reach out to recruiters, are starting to be very vocal on LinkedIn. They don't know what they want. Right. So going in and saying, I'm a teacher looking to transition, that's that's not clear enough. Do you want to be an office manager? Do you like public speaking? Do you do curriculum writing? Are you more interested in a software engineering type of position? What are you really focused on? Because just saying I'm a teacher looking to transition is so broad and generic that there's not a lot of people that could help you, not even myself, unless you get into a little bit more specifics of what are you looking for? What are you interested in? And and you, at this point, it is a highly saturated market, you are going to have to do a lot of that research on your own, whether it's taking, you know, the teacher career coach course or starting to do those informational interviews yourself. You don't have to know with certainty, I matter of factly want to be an instructional designer, but you do need to have one or two very clear directions of what you're looking for and why you're looking for those specific roles. I want to do sales because I love working with people. I am great at keeping, you know, detailed um, 
records and I'm just really motivated and competitive with myself and I know it would keep me excited. Like you need to have those reasons in hand for recruiters to even want to spend some time to work with you for the most part. Um, but let's get a little bit into your new position because we haven't even gotten there yet. We've had so much to talk about. So tell me a little bit about where you ultimately landed. So I am a specialist on a learning development team at a large consulting firm. Um, and what that means is I'm essentially in charge of planning and executing learning programs. Um, so we have learning programs designed for different um roles in our company. So whether it's a consultant, a senior consultant, a manager, a senior manager, there's several different um, roles that we work with. And we provide training and leadership on um, those specific areas. So I am in charge of planning and executing those learning programs. So that's also something that I talk about a lot in the course is being able to identify the title, because if I told someone that you were a specialist for a learning and development, you know, consulting firm, learning and development team, you're a specialist, they might not have any idea what that means. It sounds almost like you're a corporate trainer. Um, I guess you could say it's pretty comparable to, and I don't, I've never been a corporate trainer, so I really don't know. I've only read the job descriptions, um, but Yes, there's a lot of training, but I'm not actually doing any of the training. I'm more behind the scenes um, and kind of right now everything's virtual. So you have to think about it in that sense where we're behind a screen managing all of the trainings um, and we have facilitators who actually provide the training. So the people who are speaking on the content um, and there's just so much behind the scenes that the learning development team takes care of in order for the trainings to be successful. Do you feel like you were able to leverage any of your marketing background for this specific role? And I know that marketing and learning and development isn't like a clear crossover, but I'm curious if there was any sort of um, skills that you learned during your time in school for marketing that actually translated better into this position? I could see how they would. Um, I just didn't spend enough time in that space because I did make the change very early on to education. So I could see if I had, you know, learned a little bit more in marketing and taken more classes, mm -hmm. I could definitely see how it would. Um, I just wasn't there long enough to really gain enough knowledge. So they really just took your teaching experience and that was 100% what made you qualified for this role then? Yes. And um, I have to say like networking is where I was helped a lot here. So I actually applied for this specific role. Um, I would, I think it was in July, like maybe the end of July. And then the role was filled. Um, and then something happened with that situation to where they opened the role back up. And not knowing that I had a connection to this company, my former partner, teacher, um, who I was very scared to tell that I was leaving teaching, um, I she had came over to my house one day to pick up a cake order, and I was telling her, updating her on how the job search was going, and explaining what kind of roles I was looking for. And she said, well, actually, my sister-in-law is hiring right now. Her company's hiring for this role. I don't really know anything about it. I don't really know much. Let me get in contact and see if we can, you know, match you together. So 
she ended up telling her that I was looking and um, then she sent the application to me to go ahead and apply for it. And then when I received the application, I thought, I already applied here. Like I already did this. This is something I already knew I wanted. Um, so it was kind of funny to see that all come full circle. So I applied and of course, knowing someone in the company on the team, um, one of the hiring managers was very helpful. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple conversations with her just surrounding the role and if it seemed like it was a good fit. Um, and once we decided that it was, I went through the interview process, um, and there were three separate interviews, um, one with one person the next day with two people. And then the next day, I think it was five people. And by the following week I had the offer. So in this case, it was pretty much who, you know, which a lot of people will say it, it is really about your networking. But I just happened to mention to my partner teacher who I never would have thought would have made the connection to a new role. Um, and it ended up coming completely full circle. So that's how I landed the job. Um, I would say having a lot of experience with the digital platforms that I engaged with in teaching during COVID helped because I had a lot of experience just working in that space. And then, you know, the organization skills that teachers have and the ability to multitask and work through a lot of hard things and just stay focused on a project. So there are a lot of skills that I would say I was able to leverage in my interviews. Um, but I don't know that, like I said, I applied for the job previously and I don't know that my resume with teaching would have gotten me into the interview if I hadn't have networked through that. Uh, you sound like you are very, very confident speaking to your own ability, your transferable skills. Was that where you were at prior to purchasing the teacher career coach course? I just have to ask. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. If you had asked me seven months ago why I could be successful in a new role, I don't know that I would have been able to say, you know, I would have said the generic things like teachers can do this and, and they're organized and I can multitask and all the things. But through the course is where I really dove deeper and there's a part where you're literally writing down like, well, what are you good at? And where, what are things you enjoy? And really dissecting and taking the time to think about those things because teachers really do have a lot of skills, but if you don't narrow down in on which ones are most valuable to you and which ones you think that you are the best at, then you really don't know because there's just too many. And I feel like people who haven't taken the time to sit down and like go through those types of activities or look at that list of all the like, this is how you translate it from classroom to corporate that I have in the course. All of those types of activities, people are too generic. They say, I'm a teacher and that means that I'm good at, um, you know, classroom management, curriculum writing. Not everyone is that good at curriculum writing. I don't want to like, I don't want to make anyone mad, but you know, not everyone's even that good at um, facilitating. You may have been better at organizing data than you were at actually facilitating. Yeah. Everybody has their own unique strengths, even in a role that has, you know, similarities. There are going to be people who are more inclined to go in one direction and people who are more inclined to go in another direction. And you have to be able to confidently articulate like why you're the right person to go in the direction that you're headed and, you know, what you're willing to learn 
in addition to what you already bring to the table. Right. There's so many parts to teaching that you, and not every teacher is amazing at all the parts. So you really have to go self-evaluate on what parts you yourself, like on your evaluations and your principal coming in and watching you, what parts did you get the best scores on? And what parts did you get the most positive um, feedback on? And really thinking about those instead of like, well, I'm good at everything because you're not, (laughs) you know, like we're just, we can't be because there's too much. I love that. Um, Another thing that I heard you say um, about your new role was just the like job description, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about, you know, work-life balance, culture. How are you finding yourself fitting in this new environment? Because a lot of teachers are afraid this sounds, consulting firm sounds very, you know, that is corporate. That is corporate to a <laughs> to a T. So how are you finding yourself fitting in in this environment? Yeah, that's a really good question because there's a couple different parts to it. Um, and you're right. It is a consulting firm, which is so intimidating. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's no way I can fit in at a consulting firm working with consultants and managers and CEOs and just all these important people that I've never been exposed to. So I would say work-life balance is amazing. Um, I mean, everything's work from home right now. We will be switching to a hybrid model. And then when travel resumes, uh, there will be a lot of travel involved. But overall, like the in the first, I think it was the second week I'd been working, I already had a dentist appointment scheduled. And I was so afraid to ask if I could go to my dentist appointment at like two o'clock in the afternoon that I called the dentist and I tried to reschedule it, but they couldn't reschedule for another six months. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to ask. And I was told, yeah, of course, go. Like, if you have to go to the dentist, go to the dentist. So I think switching my mindset into if there's something I need to do, I can do it was really hard. Um, The first, I did go into the office for a couple days for some training, some one-on-one training, and we went to lunch. And I was like, wait, I'm, I'm out in public in the middle of the day. I'm being fed real food in the middle of the day. What is happening? I can go to the bathroom. I can answer my phone. I can take care of myself. Um, and one of my favorite parts is with teaching, I had a 40 minute commute. So, and I had to be there by 7am. Um, so I left my house by 615 every day and that didn't allow me to have the morning that I would have liked to have prior to going into such a chaotic day. And now I can wake up and go to a workout and come home and make breakfast and take a shower and then get started with my day. And that for me has been instrumental for my mental health and just overall well-being, knowing that I'm taking care of myself before I take care of anything else for the day. Um And it's very flexible. I mean, I'm told all the time, we're not doing brain surgery. So everything is a learning curve. And with that, I'm getting the support that I need. The onboarding process was truly amazing. Um, It's really thought out and it it sets you up for success in so many ways. Um, And it doesn't just end after the first week. There's continuous support. And I, I have a peer advisor and I have people I can ask questions to. And all of those things are amazing. And I have so much more than I could have imagined. On the flip side, there is a major part of imposter syndrome that comes along Mm -hmm. with switching into a new role just generally. 
but especially switching from public education to a corporate world. Um, I expected to experience imposter syndrome. I expected to feel a lot of things. I expected to, to feel down on myself and, and talk down to myself, but I didn't expect it this deep. Um, and I think that stems from I spent the last six years doing something that I loved and I was really, really good at. And I'm now doing something every day that I'm having to learn and adjust the way I think and really adapt to a new environment. So that's overwhelming at times. And there are some days where I'm like, okay, I've got this. Like I'm learning so much. And then there are days where I'm like, whoa, that conversation was a lot. That meeting made me feel very overwhelmed. But it's at the end of the day, I'm still much happier where I am. And I feel like I have the tools to succeed. And the career path is so much more broad than where I was in teaching. And that alone, in the flexibility, the, all of it just makes me feel like I made the right decision, even on the days where I question it. Because I think when teachers are so miserable that they just want to get out and take anything that they can, they have a different experience when they get into a new role. But for me, I really loved teaching. I still love it. I went to Great American Teaching last week for my niece's kindergarten classroom. And I was like, yes, I'm in my element. I got this. Like I had a whole lesson plan and I loved it. But I also felt this sense of heaviness as soon as I walked into the building. And it wasn't even my school. It was another school I'd never been to. So just going through that made me feel like, yeah, I love it. I love teaching, but I don't love the way it makes me feel. So keeping a reminder of that helps me work through that imposter syndrome. I can definitely relate with the imposter syndrome. My very first year outside of the classroom, everybody laughs that knows me from that la that first year because I was someone who was reaching out constantly. It was my role as an educational consultant and I was reaching out to a couple of my peers and saying, am I doing this right? Is this okay? And I was just so unsure of myself. It was a role where I had complete autonomy. I had complete ownership of what I was doing. They said, we want you to train on this. You figure out how you want to train on it. And I was like not used to being able to do that. So I really was struggling with, can someone else tell me exactly how I'm supposed to train on it? Yeah, there's a lot of that where I and given the independence and the autonomy to learn and grow, which can feel very overwhelming, especially for a type A personality who just loves direction and consistency in, in schedules. <laughs> um, so it's been a transition, but I think the challenge has been very good for me in a lot of different ways. Well, I am so happy that you came on here and shared your story. Um, I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up for today. What did you learn about yourself in this process? Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> um, I really didn't think that I was going to make it through that process. I every day would wake up and I committed myself to job searching full time. You know, I decided I wasn't going back to the classroom and I fully expected to not have a job until at least December. Um, and every day I'd wake up thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know how much longer I can go through this. I don't know how many more emails I can receive where I'm not being asked to go on an interview. And it was so daunting. Um, but pushing through all of that and 
reminding myself of my reason why I was doing it gave me a lot of confidence and strength that I didn't know was there. Um, There were so many times where I was just thinking, there's no way I'm going to get through this. There's no way someone's going to find value in me and want to bring me onto their team. And then when it actually happened, it was like, okay, all that self-doubt didn't need to be there. I, I will say one of the things that I think we need to change as a whole is we describe leaving teaching as how did you get out? What did you do to get out? And that implies that we're stuck and that we're in some type of prison. Like we we have to escape. And I think that that's a really dangerous way of putting it because it convinces teachers that they don't have another option. So I think changing the way we say that, like transitioning and, you know, moving into a different space feels a lot easier than I have to get out. Um, And that's what I told myself for a long time is I just have to get out. I just have to get into something else. And once I got through the process, I thought, well, why did I ever say it like that? Because it made it seem like I needed to escape. I needed to run away, (laughs) which is essentially what I was doing. But it sounds so much harder when you word it like that. So I think that we need to change the way we shift our thinking and leaving teaching. No, I couldn't agree more. There's a mindset component. And I know that you know that because I teach about it a ton in the course. But there's a mindset component of everybody makes it out to be an impossible thing. And that's what makes people give up before they ever get that, you know, one single yes, they give up and they say, never mind, it's impossible. It's too hard to get out. But it's actually a choice. If you are making this choice, if you're making this decision, it's not going to be a short term decision. It's a big deal. I don't need to tell you that. Um, But once you've committed to making this your choice, there are options. There are, you know, road roadmaps for you. You can start to make this happen and you have it within you. Um, And I'm just so happy that you took the path and you seem like you found something that is a great fit. I'm so excited to keep in touch and just hear where you go in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and um, giving me the opportunity to talk about it because there were so many days where I would listen to the podcast and it would just rejuvenate my thoughts and make me feel like, okay, I can be one of these former teachers regardless of how hard this feels right now. So it's important to continue sharing. Thank you so much. And it was great to finally meet you. Thank you, Daphne. huge thank you to Leah for coming on and sharing her story. If you are a former teacher who's also interested in sharing with this audience, let us know at teachercareercoach.com forward slash spotlight, or send us a DM on our Instagram account at teachercareercoach. Sharing the different paths and stories helps this audience so much. Thank you for being an audience member and listening. We'll see you on the very next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. Thank you.